0: Sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast.
1: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, coming to you live and in color from Tennessee, both of us, if not in the same town, at least in the same state. I'm here, of course, with my good friend and yours, Aaron Porter.
0: And you how are, you are here, here in your new house. I was very uh, curious, looking, looking at your background, how, you know, your old house was that traditional, what's it called? It must have an architectural name for what it was. What was it? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I do not know. Just old okay, house. Okay, so yeah. old southern house, lots of smaller rooms with high ceilings, yeah. stairs, yeah. and yeah. now you're in this yeah. open floor plan house with the kitchen, yeah. like, looking right there into the living room. Like, how is this feeling for you? This is such a different style. It's
1: wonderful. Well, the beautiful thing is this house is actually almost as old as the old house. The difference is that the contractor who uh, bought this place and renovated and flipped it and sold it to us gutted it, took out a bunch of partitions, rethought the entire floor plan, and uh, he and his wife, his wife's a wonderful, talented uh Designer. They kind of got the Chip and Joanna Gaines thing going on. Is that her name? I don't know. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just beautiful. Allie and I just keep walking around just saying, we love this place. There's one problem, though, Aaron. Uh-huh. The house is full. The house, is, of course, you were here on the day we moved in and I mean, we just had boxes freaking everywhere. You couldn't even maneuver around them. Wow, well, we've got the place furnished it's nice we still have to hang some things on the wall but i mean it's where it ought to be and there is still a pod sitting in my front yard that's half full of boxes and i don't know what we're going to do with that stuff
0: oh. this is the
1: challenge of you know thinning down letting go i've busted on ally for a long time for being she's not a hoarder but I, I, and she's I, a collector she's a collector right right and now I'm having to face the fact that how much of this shit is mine. I mean, Ooh. I'm really, I mean, can see it in her, but there's a lot of this stuff that's, it's
0: mine. It's my fault. And I've got to let go of it. Man, how many I years think, have I, you blamed her for the clutter? That's an amazing confession. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of my favorite books of all time, it's an oldie now. its I think it's about for 30 years by Judith Viorst. It's about um, aging, about maturing. And it's called necessary losses Mm -hmm. and uh you know her her premise is that really (laughs) life is about um letting go of things in stages and uh you know Allie and I are having to accept you know there's there's not as much energy as there used to be there's not as much mobility as there used to be Uh, And there are things we have to let go of. I do think that uh, that's true also of recovery. There's, Yeah, there's a lot to gain in recovery, but there's a lot to let go of, too, as we mature. There are necessary losses that are painful. It's hard to let go of something that kind of helped you get through a hard time, something you have some kind of emotional attachment to that you really don't need. And it's really weighing you down and you'd be better off without it. But still, it can be emotionally wrenching to make that decision, Mm. to send it to goodwill. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a topic. uh, I would would love to get a neurologist on here because my dad is by uh far the opposite of a hoarder. He throws away everything. He has thrown away so much stuff that I'm like, dude, why didn't you give that to me? That was like part of your history. He's like, ah, who cares? Nobody needs this. So I would love to know like what goes on in different people's minds that feel that need versus not. And I'm sure somebody can come up with a reason that it's trauma-based. But anyways, you were going to say. <laughs> so here we are. I'm
1: not sure when this is going to go up, but we're we're uh, we're cruising as we record into the month of June. Uh, summer is not quite upon us in Tennessee, but it's arriving. The humidity's uh rising, the heat is uh up, and you see by this time of year, you've vamoosed, man. You've uh, picked up state mistakes and gone to California for the summer.
0: Yes, that is true. I'm going to endure a southern uh, summer for the first time <laughs> in my fourth summer <laughs> here. I'm actually going to be present. Oh uh, yeah, Abby. Man. Abby's actually leaving a week from oh. Sunday, so she's going on her own. But Elijah did not want to go. Okay, your daughter so, Abby. My daughter Abby. Okay. And Elijah's gonna wanted to stay, so that meant I needed to stay. And so uh-huh. yeah, I mean I'm I'm kind of preparing for it. So far, it has not been that bad. Did I did I tell the story on here of accidentally burning Elijah's lawnmower down? No. Oh yeah. No. So that's that's my biggest concern because I'm already getting into the whole like it rains a couple times a week, then sunny, and the grass has to be mowed like every week, week and a half. And since oh, we sure, yeah, yeah. almost an acre and a half of grass, you know, he had been mm-hmm. given that riding lawnmower from our old neighbor. Right. And, yeah. uh, and it wasn't working. So I fixed it all by my onesie. I was so proud okay. of myself. All And right. I went out, mowed for about 20 minutes, had to come in to get some water. And when I went outside, it was engulfed in flames, like eight, 10 foot <laughs> high flames uh did did, did i not send you a picture no yeah the entire no lawnmower is melted into itself so i'm yelling for elijah come down we put out the fire and i had another lawnmower that was powered uh and then that broke down immediately after another one broke down yeah and finally, I just went and got a battery-operated lawnmower because I've loved my battery-operated Weed Whacker.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, 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 it's yeah. like a 12-inch deck, and it is not powered. So it's fully <laughs> powered by one pushing it. And so that's just become a part of my, my new exercise regimen that twice a week heading out there and mowing the lawn. Hey, it's great
1: exercise, man. It is great exercise. Yeah. And but for somebody I- who spends a lot of time at the keyboard, as you do, yeah. It's probably, you know, God's provision will probably burn the damn thing down.
0: Uh, all of that's fine and dandy, except I have not <laughs> entered into July months. And I'm just wondering because <laughs> yeah. even in yeah. August, when I've returned, and it's humid and hot from early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. At least in yeah, California, yeah. go out and do something at seven in the morning if it's going to be a hot day. It's usually cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah. don't know. That's yeah. I'm I'm a little worried about uh that. Uh, so, hey, Pirate Monks, if anyone wants to mail me a riding lawnmower. For- <laughs> <laughs> or
1: drive one over.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, you can force that action. So, anyways, I, I'm looking forward to the summer. Elijah, hopefully in the next week or so. I just found out the DMV changed because he's 15. He can have his uh-huh. learner's permit, but we, he didn't want to do it during school and then getting into the DMV's uh-huh. part. And I found out this morning. Through an app on the phone, I became a proctor and he can take his test here at home on a computer. Like there's all these safety measures where I have to like scan my face and then do a QR code on the computer. But yeah, hoping that really and I'll have a grand. No, that's the written test. Does he still have to take a road test? Yeah, stuff take a road test, which Abby's took like five minutes. Uh, there, I think there's a reason that Tennessee drivers seem to be some of the worst. Drivers that I have ever encountered in this country. Uh, this might be why, but I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to driving around with my son. I always say that, and oh, then good. I'm terrified every time I get in the car with my new driver yeah, children. Right. But I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Awesome. So yeah, that's our that's our summer: lawn mowing, driving, trying to stay cool. Okay. All right. Uh, look, it, I'm going uh, to. We
1: have to work out. By the way, you've been talking to me about the Abbey. We not. We got to talk about the Abbey in the show, not this show, but let's do that. I think you and I are going to connect at that great co-working space, not too far from you in Murfreesboro. Uh, anyway, that's an, that's another story. Yeah,
0: I'm but we got
1: we got bigger fish to fry.
0: Let's fry some fish. Well,
1: that's right, because we got a great guest coming up, a perennial favorite, and she's going to. She's going to burn the house down, as she always does. Stay with us. We'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. What a joy it is to have with us. I think you're setting a record, KK, for uh, return appearances on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, back by Popper to Demand, none other than KK Ray. Hi, KK.
2: I'm so glad to be here, and I love breaking records. For I was going to say, that, awesome. that look on your face, that, that he, was a decidedly he, like, Nate, competitive Nate, look. Yes, exactly. Nate knows how to feed my ego. Just let me be the, <laughs> the most returned guest, and I am good to
0: go. <laughs>
1: Well, so actually, so you've been a, 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 a return multiple times on the podcast, you have returned multiple, you were the very first female presenter at uh, a Samson retreat and have been back several times by popular demand. And uh, you are, you're going to be the first, uh, you know, lead presenter, you and I are going to do this thing at the, at the international retreat in Italy Actually, back-to-back weekends, the first and second weekends of October 2022. We're going to be uh, in Italy for international retreats there. I'm very excited about that. I just love being in the room with you. I love uh, the, the energy you bring, the wisdom you bring, and uh, I love the way you just come in, kind of like Aaron Porter does. You come in <laughs> sideways sometimes. <laughs> Or two you know,
2: wheels. It's it could be two <laughs> wheels and sideways. How about that? Yeah.
1: yeah, but let me because you challenge conventional wisdom. I like that.
2: Well, you know that is in my DNA. But I will say there is something special, and I want to say it to all the listeners. Um, there is something so special about the Samson men, um, and it's it's such an honor to to get to be part of this group. And I do consider myself part of the group now. I think I've been to three <laughs> or four retreats. And I don't do retreats. We can talk about that. I don't do retreats and I yeah, love yeah. the Sampson retreats. So it's, um, it makes it very easy. I doubt there's ever not been a great speaker or, um, presenter at the Sampson retreats because the, the men of Samson, um, make it so easy and comfortable and real and vulnerable. It's a group that is, is so close to my heart. And, and um, I just, I will not say no because it, it, I get, I get as much or more out of it than I certainly deliver. So thank you for having
0: uh, me. Well, one Absolutely. phrase that I always think of when <laughs> I see your face is the phrase grown ass man. It, it's something that comes, comes forward that issues forth from, from the front of your lips occasionally. Have you, trademarked that?
1: Yeah, have you trademarked that yet, KK?
2: No, but I'm going to. And if you're listening, do not steal it. Because, yeah. Um, do it. It, you know, I, I obviously did not originate that term, but it fits so well therapeutically when we mm-hmm. start talking about what's going on with people. And And goals towards health, obviously, are being our best, most mature self. And so, it's just easier to say, be a grown-ass man or a grown-ass woman.
0: How would would one define what a grown-ass man is? What are the characteristics? How does one even know if they are or are not a grown-ass man?
2: Well that you shouldn't have teed me up for that. (laughs) How how do you know if you're a grown ass man? Just ask me. I'll tell you. (laughs) No, that would David would say don't don't ask for that, my husband. Um the I think Nate, you could weigh in on this too, because Nate and I volleyed this back and forth a lot, but I think it's really if we can, we arrive at um, adulthood, and a, a colleague of mine years ago, Alan Godwin, would talk about we all have maturity gaps when we get to adulthood, and mm, I fleshed mm. that out a lot. You know, none of us are, are fully grown up. Our brains don't grow up on their own, and so there's parts of us and, and um, that don't don't grow up, uh, and we arrive at adulthood. You know, many times limping um, or yeah, um, yeah, yeah, not even getting there all the way. But so, so, wait, I, so
0: let me let me I, just go. understand. You're talking about maturation is a lopsided journey. So someone could have an amazing work ethic, which is a very adult thing to be. But then, when they're done working, they can't connect with people at home and have to drink every night. And that would be a way that yes, they're very grown ass in one way and still hiding in another. And so they're a lopsided man.
2: 100% you nailed it on that. And I I think what we've learned over maybe less than a decade is that this is all brain science, right? So when we have, we have traumas or unprocessed negative events or, Illnesses or live in a, a cis family system that's ill or abusive or impaired or whatever, there's parts of us that don't get the input into the brain to know even how to act when we get to mm. adulthood. I mean, I had a case today, just, you know, the truth is there are not neuropathways there um, for this man to know how to connect with his wife outside of sexuality. He mm-hmm. literally has never been taught that, so how is he going to just? He can't just intuitively come up with that, right?
1: Right. And right, so right, that—that's
2: right, right. the idea to to begin to define what healthy, whole um, behaviors as adults are, and and none of us are ever going to attain them completely or even. Well, all the time, but it's it's certainly the best practice to understand what that goal is and move towards that.
0: Is this something you could mm-hmm. even answer for yourself as a man, or do you have to have other people reflecting <laughs> it back to you? Because if there's a broken piece, I I seem I would seem to be the worst person to recognize that.
2: Well, I I don't know about that, Erin. No enough, not enough about you. I think if you have some um, intuitiveness and. well, let's start with this. What's your biggest fear? You know, um, anybody's. Well, my fear of of being alone. Well, where does that go? And we can back into that. You know, Um, I don't know if I'm a grown ass woman yet on understanding how to comfortably be alone. Um, So so you can kind of define it yourself if you look at your fears or, or flaws. But the best is if you have Safe relationships where people would be able to say, would you be willing to look at this particular character um, issue or Or tendency in your life? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Why are you I, so angry all the time? Whatever.
1: Yeah. I think that one characteristic of active addiction, and I know you don't like the word addiction, but let's let's just use it for now. It's I
2: don't hate it. Parlance. I don't hate it. Okay, just, okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, okay.
1: I'm okay but if, uh, so I'm caught in a cycle <clears throat> of compulsive behavior, uh, and it's wrapped in denial and all kinds of And the one thing that suffers is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. hmm Right? Mm-hmm. 100%. Um right 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 so in the 12 steps one of the great virtues of the 12 steps is starting that fearless moral inventory kind of with the prompting of a knowing veteran where i start for for, for instance you mentioned fears i now know that my behavior has been to a large degree fear driven there's a famous phrase in 12 step recovery driven by a hundred forms of fear mm-hmm. but when i walked in the door of my first meeting, I had so built this kind of stoic, macho persona that even though my body was quivering, even though I was clearly on a physiological level terrified, mm-hmm. I did not know I was afraid.
2: Well, and can't that be compounded with Christian ease of if you're not, if, if you have fear, then you're not, you're not stellar in your faith. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. Which, right, which, right, which, right. which, P.S. is not biblical, but I think I think that as we um, climb that ladder too, we can see that that some of those things we suppress because it's not um, it's not it's a weakness, not a um, just a data point to look at. But as you said that, one of the things I was thinking about is Richard Rohr's. Um, metaphor of building a building and how we, we have scaffolding around it, right. you know, until the building gets built. And all of that scaffolding is, is I would say, once we get to adulthood, those are props, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to be macho. I'm going to um, be, you know, elite in my career, or I'm going to be the best parent or Whatever all those things are, but the scaffolding's there. We got to pull the scaffolding off so mm-hmm. we can see the building. And and what if the building stands? We've got to have the strong infrastructure. And 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 that is, you know, to your point, Erin, that to be able to identify within ourselves or have someone else help us identify, if we've got that scaffolding around us and we aren't strong enough from the inside out to look at that, we'll never know or accept it. Right, Right. so I can I can distinctly remember a time where I was I began to be able when I'd done a lot of my own trauma work, been been able to take feedback or to look at these deficiencies or immature things that I had before that it was so scary to me. I would freeze and run.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's can you give me a a generalization percentage when you're working with people? What percentage of the work is getting to what exactly is the lopsided maturity here? What's the part that hasn't matured versus the work yeah. to now that it's identified, what are we going to do with that?
2: By the time that, that people get to me, it's typically um, people are in so much pain that they're willing to take the feedback. Very mm-hmm. seldom do you get somebody that that um, hasn't had enough pain uh, and that's that that propels them to say, okay, tell me what you're seeing, and and even then, it's much better, you know, if, if Nate came in my office and was, was was telling me all the things that was go- that were going on with him, I would still be better off from my vantage point to hear it from Allie or from you, to have more than one story because because our blind spots are so big that we we right, don't right, right. know um, many times, but. But I would say, um, I, w- I would say people are in such pain that they welcome the feedback, but very seldom can we identify our own stuff without hashing it out. Would you agree with that? Mm. Would y'all what do y'all think about that? I don't know if I'm answering that exactly correctly.
0: I think that's I mean anything. I mean I we can I'm-
2: identify bad behaviors. I mean you could say, yeah. okay, yeah I I look at porn twenty times a day, but but that that's <laughs> inconsequential to me. You know, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. not yeah, that's yeah. To me, that's to me. The big question that's, is why. Right? Yeah, exactly. Why? Why? Let's get yeah. to that. And and I don't know. Very seldom do I think people understand the why, or we'd be all healed.
0: I guess yeah. that goes yeah. that goes back to that question of of self identifying which parts of me are not a grown ass man. That usually my first answer will be somewhat right. And there are way more interesting places to go in a mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. especially with questions I don't want to have asked.
2: And yeah. And, and, you know, um, Ralph Earl that started PCS out in Scottsdale, Arizona, which, you know, uh, um, yeah, wonderful, yeah. wonderful place out there. But he taught me one time, if you're sitting in the room with somebody and this is not just in a therapy session, but, but, talk about the things you don't want to talk about. Talk about the things that that create the most shame that you're you, you know everything mm-hmm. in you is saying don't talk about because at that point that you bust through the glass ceiling.
0: Mm-hmm. you
2: know there's I can I, I can distinctly remember and, and you know I don't share all the details of my story but um, I can distinctly remember when I could say, the the most shameful things that had happened to me when i could say that then all of a sudden i had this um, neurological regulation that you don't get until you mm-hmm. can get those horrific things out and then it just kind of calms things down neurologically and you can begin to see much cl- more clearly what what, yeah. what r- reality is i think
1: mhm mm-hmm. To your point about uh, needing another person's uh, perspective to adequately, you know, to accurately see where those maturation gaps are. And uh, you mentioned like hearing from the spouse as well as from the identified patient. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) it takes me back to when, again, early recovery. (laughs) I'm in 12-step recovery. It's step four. And I remember sitting down with Allie. Getting Allie on the front porch, you know, and and conversation with us between us was very stilted in those days. She was being civil to me, but not much more than that. A lot of pain, Mm
2: -hmm. and uh, and
1: and my track record was one of being very, very defensive, very hypersensitive, and defensive. Any suggestion that I might be doing something wrong, Mm -hmm. and uh, and sitting down with Ellie and explained to her that I had to do this fearless moral inventory, and I was specifically looking for my defects. And could she help? <laughs> and, and, uh-huh. <laughs> and she paused because it's like, uh, you know, her experience venturing into, you know, that territory in the past had not been good because I would very quickly counterattack and justify, mm-hmm. and then it would just, mm-hmm. you know. But I would do so in such a smooth and underhanded way. I wouldn't blow up. I could just slice I and dice her. Oh, gas. your, right.
0: your gaslight burned low. It wasn't an explosion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm
2: sure, I'm sure. bless Allie's heart, she walked away thinking she it was her fault. You know? You yeah, can, right. Because sure. yeah. we can yeah. all manipulate it to the point where yeah, yeah. we transfer her right on over to the other person. But okay. after she
1: paused... Yeah. She, she began to venture and she began to, it hurt to mm. hear it, some of what mm. she said. Mm-hmm. Mm. But at the same time, it was good to hear. And the fact that I reacted with gratitude and said, can you tell me more? That's it. And didn't justify. Um, Allie would say, looking back, that probably was the seminal moment, the pivotal moment when she started to believe maybe I can actually trust this guy again. Mm -hmm. Maybe this recovery Mm -hmm. thing is real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Now I will say, um, you had a safe spouse, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. I was fortunate. And yes. And let me, let me be very clear in this, that you don't, you know, you don't ask anybody these, these questions in a context that's not, 100% 100% safe or as close to safety as you can because yeah, many right. times when, you know, and and <clears throat> not speaking to y'all's situation, Nate, but many times um, the addict and the spouse are just as sick as the other one. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, not. Yeah, right, so we right, want right. to be really, really careful to, to to clarify that, that it needs to be the cont- in a context of, of, of real safety to practice. Once mm-hmm. you practice it, then then it becomes about, instead of a personal attack, it becomes information that you can use or discard, right? Right,
0: sure. A, right. As right,
2: opposed right. to it being a personal attack on the character.
0: Mm, but even that, yeah. What, yeah. A, what a step of maturity, especially for a person who has been under the oppressive weight of shame to believe that they have permission to discard. That some things that yeah. are said yeah. do not have to be consumed. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And,
2: and I'm not sure I totally get that because it's it can be horrifically um, painful and also not helpful if you're sitting in the wrong posture or with the wrong person on that. You know, mm-hmm. work on, work on, uh, and and arguably you have to figure out how to even be safe with yourself before you can even do that, I would wow. think, you know. I'm not so sure that (laughs) I'm not so sure my logic here is going to pan out, but I on, on asking other people, but in the context of a therapeutic situation, you better damn well trust that therapist that you're sitting across from, that they're Mm -hmm. not going to add on shame or, you know, point things out and, and, you know, that slice and dice stuff. I've done that too in in the therapy as I've grown myself, but um, you got to feel safe to investigate shame. You have to. Mm
0: -hmm. Let's hit it from the other side and maybe that will make it feel clearer for us inviting anybody into that process, because I I think it's important that you're giving warnings that this should be handled with care. So if somebody Mm -hmm. were to ask me, that same question that Nate asked Allie, what Mm -hmm. are some, some good ways to answer that, that aren't simply, Oh, let me open this file drawer and tell you the things that I see that are super messed (laughs) up about you. (laughs) How how can things be phrased? And like, I I don't know, I've, I've seen this and I don't know what it means where there's kind of some open-endedness for a person to explore it themselves. Versus coming to judgments mm-hmm. and conclusions. Mm-hmm. Like, what are what are some things? Yeah. And then maybe I'll go. Oh, yeah, that's what messes with me when I hear someone do that wrong.
2: Okay, so can, if you're comfortable enough, let's role play that for a second,
0: Aaron. As long as we're role playing, so I can be whoever I want. Sure, I'm a <laughs> yeah,
2: biker. Yeah.
1: This, is not, <laughs> this
2: is not Aaron. biker this named is not Sven.
0: Or, or or just be Nate? How about just? Be oh, Nate? I'll be Nate. Oh.
1: <laughs> okay, I just I just filtered so much.
0: Okay, okay, let's let's role play this.
2: Okay, go ahead. You start. Ask me if I'd be
0: willing. Okay, KK, I was wondering if you would talk to me about some things that you see in my life that just feel like my immature spots or holes that I don't see. And how I behave or treat other people or just live my life.
2: Is there something going on that even makes you ask me that? Like what's propelling you to be curious about that?
0: I've had some arguments with my wife and she has said things about me being mean and I don't. Think that I am, but I don't know why she keeps saying that over and over.
2: Yeah, um, like in general, you don't think you're a mean person, or do you not think you say mean things? What What is that about?
0: I think in general, and I know that you know things can get heated between us, but I don't feel like it's meanness.
2: So is there a possibility that you're defining mean differently than her?
0: Probably.
2: <laughs> so, so maybe I would start with um, considering that you want to up your game, if we want to call being, you know, grown ass adult, upping our game on how we interact with other people, up your game on being curious about how you make her feel.
0: So like, so do you feel like you've seen me get in situations where I'm just rolling with what I think is a reality and not watching people around me?
2: I don't know that I've seen that in you specifically, but I would say that is generally what happens when we get into more heated arguments, we might begin to shut down on other centeredness or, empath- or being empathic. It's, it's a brain based thing. Um, I would say I would, I would, I would want to know um, if, if someone is telling me that I'm being mean and, and I know your heart to be big enough that you don't want to be mean. Right. So let's, let's look at that as a communication style and figure out what the discrepancy is between what she's defining as mean and what you're defining as mean.
0: Okay. So in this, in this process, I'm saying you're asking questions and what you're adding is the general, this is, this is what is Mm -hmm. common to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. which removes Mm -hmm. the shame of that.
2: And also it's a, it's an attachment uh, speak. I would say that I'm, I'm moving you towards looking at her in a loving, less defensive, more protective way that you don't want to hurt her. That you're going to be curious enough to know what's going on with her so that you wouldn't hurt her. And that'll open you up to go, wow, I was an ass there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, for me there is no room. I mean, and this is Brene Brown stuff. There's no room for brutal honesty. Take brutal off. If you can't, and Nate, you taught me this. Don't let the sun, yeah. the sun go down on your anger. Doesn't mean that you hash shit out until you filleted somebody, you right. know? And, but, but I think, I think there's, there's honesty and, and, and there is a way to, to join with that person on the same side of the table and, and move towards towards a successful conversation without ever being adversarial or shaming.
0: Okay. So Mm -hmm. seeing this from the other perspective of what's, what's a good direction that has just sent me in flashbacks of so many different versions of men's Mm -hmm. groups where the second it comes to, okay, we're going to explore something, a guy's life. There's certain folks that just light up. Like I'm so excited. I get to now tell you a lot of stuff. And you just yeah. watch the person wither. So yeah, you, that
2: that's that that's why I hate the term in Christian speak of accountability. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of like I hate addiction. I mean, let's be careful. I'm talking yeah, superlative, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but but um, I I don't you know. And Brene talks about this. Unless you've earned the right to give somebody feedback, and then they ask for it, you keep your mouth shut, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and i would say in in that case you know never in a group situation should you pile on you know there people mm-hmm. just can't recover from that it's,
0: oh, it's, yeah. okay but you're being a bad christian if i see somebody doing wrong you're saying unless they ask for it and i have to build rapport but i can't address their sin before then what what do you say to that uh
2: I person. say, you better come sit on my couch for a little bit, and I'm going to work on your big ego that you think you're that good that you can go do that to somebody else. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. that that's the thing. You know, you see these signs, um, billboard signs in churches, and it's so freaking yeah. self-righteous. And I'm like, who's defining this?
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. I said it jokingly but I want your serious answer before Nate finishes what was on the other side of that breath intake which was a change of subject um, <laughs> no,
1: not necessarily or, I'm digging deeper into something she said but go ahead you, 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 that train is rolling keep it going so mm-hmm. there,
0: there are many people that really feel that like in their chest gut I want to press into this what how can that be, Mm, there needs to be a bit of a valve to release that feeling because they they feel both the obligation, they're usually wired to protect something, I don't know, church ideas, all of that. But it's been built up for a long time. So just to tell them, well, don't do it that way. What's kind of the... Well,
2: I would say that's their maturity gap. If you've got the pressure valve clicking that you've got to tell somebody else how big a sinner they are. That's your issue, right to deal with. I mean, I, I'm, you know, anybody listening on this that's known me, Nate, for twenty five years, you know, I could leave carnage everywhere in the name of truth.
1: Uh huh. Sure. Yeah.
2: You know, and 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 that's no way to be. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 that's a that's a coping mechanism. If I can if I can be at the top of the food chain and in the powerful position to tell you how to act then I don't have to be examined. Mm -hmm. You know, it's also a very dangerous place to be as we've seen many, many people fall when they have that level of power and permission to speak into shit. Right. Mm
1: Yeah. 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 Hey, um, there were a couple of words that stuck out in your response to me, uh, stuck out to me in your response to Aaron. One, you repeated a couple of times. And I know from our previous conversation that this plays into the whole conversation about maturity. You use that word curious, Mm -hmm.
2: curiosity, Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. also
1: mentioned empathy. So -hmm. what's the connection between curiosity and maturity and empathy and, and maturity?
2: yeah. So <clears throat> there's a show and and I'm not endorsing the show. I can't even remember which one it is, but it's so dark I couldn't even hardly watch it. But they talked about they describe somebody as being pathologically inquisitive. Uninquisitive. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, let me say that again. Pathologically uninquisitive. Yeah. And 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 you know, it's kind of a soapbox to me when I get on the phone with somebody that allegedly cares and they'll talk at me for 30 minutes we'll hang up the phone and i think i wonder if somebody asked them how kk's doing what they would say because they would have no idea you know after that mm-hmm. 30 minute conversation
0: Oh, but that, but, that, but that very person would have so much and believe they knew everything about kk
2: <laughs> they, well, it would definitely be a blind spot for sure. I'm in a Trudy gap. But but that's what, you know, I had I had a guy the other day that's a great a great man and client. And he's like, okay, I'm going on this trip. I want to make sure my wife feels like I am really, I don't want to talk about work. I just want to make her know that that I want to be with her, make her have the best trip she can be. How do I do that? And I said, okay, let her talk 80% of the time. And the, mm-hmm. of the 20 divide that into 10% about you and 10% about being curious and asking her questions. And what happens with somebody that doesn't have those neural pathways or that naturally inquisitive, um, personality, they're going to shift from, from it being all about them to really trying to get to know that other person, that curiosity even if you're faking it, you're in a different part of your brain than it being all about you. So you begin wow. to ask the, you yes. begin to ask those questions, and then you begin to connect a dot. Oh, if Nate tells me he's really tired today, I I ask him how he's doing. He says he's really tired. I need to investigate why he's tired. Is everything going mm-hmm. okay? And then then all of a sudden, you get the feedback from Nate thank you for asking. That felt good that you cared enough to ask. And it'll, it'll begin to cement those neural pathways of empathy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and many times you'll find people, and especially if they're coming out of really horrific addictions, they, they might even say they don't care how another person's doing, that mm-hmm. their world yeah. is, is so, so eaten up with negativity, et cetera, that they don't have the energy to, to care about how someone else is. But what I would say is if you can at least fake it and, and get curious, everybody can be curious about somebody, something on somebody about somebody else. Then you begin to settle the brain down. You're out of the limbic system. When you're being curious, you're not sitting there waiting on interjecting your next pontificating thought. And then empathy can follow that. That's my theory.
0: You, you answered this. Maybe in part or maybe completely, because I I love the question that Nate gave about that connection, but it made me think, okay, I know people that say I'm an empath, like being empathetic Mm -hmm. is just something that they have a gift for. You're describing ways that empathy can be cultivated and developed. So it is something that can be cultivated and developed for people that feel like they're selfish bastards.
2: One hundred percent. And I wouldn't even say they're selfish bastards. I would say I would say they're they're men that were never taught by their mamas and daddies to be other centered enough to learn how to ask questions and care about that. Or they had some level of trauma that they get so protective that they never get out of the limbic system of protecting myself, protecting myself at all cost. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. I I don't even define that as, as really a character flaw. I think it's more of a I haven't been taught or I'm arrested at being twelve. Something happened mm. in my formative years that I just don't I don't have the ability to get out of that part of my brain. Does that make sense, Aaron? Yeah. I say that?
0: Yeah. And so in yeah. talking about curiosity, I feel like we could lay out some questions that again, someone can do by discipline, not because they feel it. So there asking you somebody, you know, about how they're doing or whatever, but then some follow-up questions like how, well, geez, Nate, you're tired. What, how does that make you feel when you get tired? Do you mm-hmm. get like mm-hmm. angry or sad or melancholy. What's mm-hmm. so asking mm-hmm. a feeling question. What, what are other questions?
2: That's, that's excellent. Um, well, I'm not really sure about the questions, but what we don't want is for you to then begin to storytell of your own. Um, Empathy is really, in my opinion, identifying what that other person's feeling, quickly putting it through your brain. Um, So for instance, if Nate says, I'm I'm really sad today, I'm going to quickly go to a place of when was I sad last or when have I been sad? I'm going to feel how that feels neurologically. Not mm-hmm. telling the story about it, because then you're just taking all the the story back to telling about yourself. But I understand how that feels to be that sad. Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. For the most part, all you have to say is, I want to hear more about this. This is really valuable for me to hear. I want to know you more. You see, we are so hardwired for connection, and we are all starving for it right now. I mean, yeah. I don't know anybody yeah. anybody right now that would say, I'm just so overwhelmed with human connection. I've got to go be alone for a month because we've Mm -hmm. all been so isolated and polarized and everybody is is looking for connection. So the way to how do we connect? We connect by being available to that other person, not by dumping our truck onto the other person. Right. Yeah. Does that that make sense? Yeah.
0: What do you do if you're on the other side of the coin? Let's say I'm a a lopsided, mature, not grown-ass man and say I'm married to a woman that for whatever reason, maybe she's very task-oriented, so all she wants to do is talk about what needs to happen next and if we got our schedule going, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe there Mm -hmm. could be lots of other broken reasons. But that husband feels completely unseen. How can he ask Uh. for that because that might be feeding into his non-grown ass manness.
2: Right. Right. So in the context of, of relationships, we're all responsible to get our own needs met. That doesn't mean we go meet our own needs. We see how destructive that can be. Right. Yeah. But, but we, we do have to learn how to ask for those needs to be met. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and that's very vulnerable. And, and there's always you know, a chance that that person can't meet that need. And, and that's, you know, that's where you get not only having individual maturity gaps, but relational maturity gaps. You know, there are plenty of marriages we've all seen that never get to the grown ass state. They're still like middle schoolers dating, right. Mm -hmm. And very Mm -hmm. protective, meeting their own needs, that kind of stuff. But the, the, the phrase I like the most, Aaron is to say, would you be willing so you invite that other person would you be willing i i've had a really hard day would you be willing for me to sit down with you and talk for 30 minutes about what happened to me today mm-hmm. and would you would you be willing to just keep asking me a lot of questions
0: mm-hmm. see that specific is so important because if you say just would you be willing and then they say well yeah and they start talking they start interrupting maybe they start giving their stories mm-hmm. Like Mm -hmm. giving that specificity, and and the
2: reason we do that, it is important. And you're not dumb if it's not intuitive. This stuff is not intuitive. We don't just grow a brain up. We have to have connections. Our neurons have to be firing certain ways. We have to be taught. You know, Mm. we just your you know your heart your liver your kidneys all of those your your stature you grow up but the brain doesn't just grow up the brain has to have input constantly to know how to behave and act and 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 what's the expectation and that kind of thing and that's one of i mean talk about one of the most painful things for for you guys is when your wives think that you should be mind readers you mm. know and 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 the assumption is you should have known this and and Nate, I think you and I were talking about this, but I get so many kid uh, people that have been traumatized as children because they've been disciplined or abused for not behaving the way that they should have known how to act when they, in fact, had no idea how to act. Yeah, you know, yeah. when you get blistered for something that you did not know the right or wrong answer to. Mm-hmm. So I think I think in in the context of of partnerships we have to we have to pitch the need we have to tell the best way that need will be met and then we have to to be open that that person responding to us is not going to do it perfectly
0: okay so not perfectly nate this is for you as well we we've got that far ask for what you need you might not Mm -hmm. get it but there's power in the asking right nate (laughs) uh right that's an old saying from a group we were in Um, Yeah. yeah. But but let's say that a spouse is not a grown ass woman and this is touching on Mm -hmm. her brokenness. And so after Mm -hmm. multiple attempts, you just end up feeling more alone and frustrated because now you've asked and now you have a lack of connection. Lack of connection is the doorway to addiction. Plus, I'm angry about it. Anger does not help addiction. Bitterness is coming. So what do I do if I've taken all of your advice and damn it, it hasn't helped at all? Yeah. I'm you know, a get sniper,
2: that. I think. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get therapy or or <laughs> yeah. you do neurofeedback yeah. or you exercise, make sure at that point you have to determine what's in your yard, what's in the street, and what's in your spouse's yard or your partner's yard. And and I'm a big proponent of just don't go over and mow somebody else's yard. You know, mm-hmm. if they if they can't meet in the street. Then you have to go back and do your own work in your yard. Okay. You know, and, so, and and that sounds that sounds so much easier than reality. I know I'm just I'm simplifying it. It's not easy. I mean it's frustrating as hell a lot of times.
0: So for the pers- for the man who right now says, Oh crap, you just described my bitterness, my bitterness just rose to the back of my throat when you mm-hmm. described that. And damn it, I'm tired of everyone telling me it's my fault. I asked for this. It's still not happening. And it's a reasonable ask. What is like step one, Nate? Because I think you've been in a situation with guys that have that anger, but are desperate mm-hmm. and they're starting to act out like what, what's the like right now steps. Great question.
1: Yeah. Well, I do think, I, you know, first of all, let's examine my, uh, let's examine my ask. Good. good. Right. Right. Is this really a need? How big of a need is it? Yeah. It seems eminently reasonable to me, but I've put it in a category. It's a do or die category. I, what I'm asking for now is, you know, as essential as oxygen. And if this doesn't get met, you know, uh, the, 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 the results are and, catastrophic. I th-
2: and let me, I'm going to interrupt you on that. And that that's where you got to pay attention to where your brain is, because if it's do or die, um, life and death about connection with a spouse, there's a good chance you're in the wrong part of your brain. So mm-hmm. you got to give yourself a minute to, it, it, it might hurt, but it's not harming you. It's not going to mm-hmm. kill you. Right. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I interrupted on that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Sorry, I, I, I'm sure I took your thought away on that.
1: Yeah, I don't know, but but I mean, I, to me, that's that that's the that's the first step because what I can do is I can build such a case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for deprivation. We used to play this game in early recovery. Uh, <laughs> get addicts get together. We played this game called "I'm so deprived." <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And we try to top each other with deprivation stories. Now, now, now the antidote to that of course is gratitude. It sounds simple.
2: Uh, There you go. There you go. And
1: then you, if you, if you change the game, you play the gratitude game. And, and then I think your approach to the partner becomes less desperate and less demanding. Mm and, uh, you know, there's no guarantee that partner is ever going to be able to do what you want. But the odds increase as the pressure goes down.
2: And Right. The, because because you're not giving off this is life and death to somebody that has no intention of being able to save you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah,
0: right. 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 Yeah. And there must be, uh, because when, when brokenness collides… Mm-hmm. There have to be other healthy relationships mm-hmm. that that meet the same need, not necessarily in the same yes. way. And less people are mm-hmm. thinking I'm running down a like deprived of sex route here. I was mostly thinking about what you were saying, KK, just about feeling heard, having someone mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. you, um, mm-hmm. that there are other relationships that can build into that. But that that takes a lot of steps and and also risking some disappointment.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, my colleague Julie Weaver says, "Don't go to the hardware store for bread," and and I think I think that there, there are things that, um, in in our coupleships or friendships that we expect people to needs to that people just can't meet because they're wired mm-hmm. differently from us. And so, what yeah. I say, if there's you know if there's a friend that can that can meet that connection need that, that maybe your spouse can't like Nate saying, practice gratitude on what she can do work on it, but also don't go back to the hardware store for bread. they no, the hardware yeah. store is never going to sell bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I think one of the greatest uh, gifts of the Samson society is it offers to guys, all of us, uh, you know, in one way or another, emotional cripples. We've been handicapped. We come into, we're vulnerable to addiction because of emotional handicaps. Addiction makes, our behavior exacerbates the problem, makes it even worse, right? Uh, And in Samson, in meetings and in conversations between meetings, we have the great gift of practicing non-sexual intimacy. Mm
2: -hmm. Separating sex Mm -hmm. from
1: intimacy uh, in a way that makes us better equipped for intimacy at home and uh and is not a threat to the marriage hey uh i'm watching the clock here and i cannot believe that 45 minutes has already flown this happens a lot when i'm with you kk
0: love it uh, i love that it just speeds up so hey we're going to get more time together uh, well, we, can, we can we can slow it to how about we do this nate let's give it another what? five minutes to slowly ramp down and we'll do the closing with kk here and we'll only do an opening. And so then we don't have to be rushed here as we talk about Italy and the thoughts on that. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, you're going to, so, so we've got these retreats in Italy, uh, on successive weekends, first and second weekends in October. Uh, and, uh, so you're going to, you're going to do what only KK can do. And it's going to be, uh, not just instructive, but interactive. 100%
2: 100% uh, be interactive. Yes. Yeah. We want, we want to get to know whoever's coming over there. And, and I, I think that we're going to be fleshing this out and bouncing off each other. The, the characteristics of yeah. being a grown ass human. And so you'll, you'll be able to, you're not going to have to come to that retreat knowing what, what your, you know, gaps are. We'll, we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll all be, we'll all be examining that and looking at it. Um, I, I just think it's a great opportunity. From what you've said, Nate, it's going to be a beautiful place. Airfares mm-hmm. are at a really good time to buy them right now, and
1: yeah, airfares have I dropped. Mean, they were insane a few months ago, but right now it's a good. Yeah. Allie and I just got our reservations.
2: Yeah, so um, please please come. You, you won't be disappointed in that. It'll be if you come to the ones that we've had here in Tennessee. They're they're intense, deep and extremely refreshing. At least I I think that's the feedback we've gotten. It certainly has been that way for me too.
1: Now you're, you're coming to present to the men at the men's retreat. We've got some wives that are coming and some of them meeting offsite, gathering offsite. And you have said that you will uh, sometime during the course of the weekend, visit with the women yes, as well. Yes, we will make that is happen. focus on the guys. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, for sure. But we we want, um, you know, we want the wives to come, and and we will we will certainly not leave them hanging. And and my my thought is that that um, we'll kind of give them give the wives clue them into what their husbands are working on, so that there won't be mm-hmm. blind spot uh, blind sides and that they yeah. will have have some rich time together with that. I know that's kind of, you know, my husband has come with me most of the times that I've come to the retreat and, and the, because he sat through it and I was there, the things that we were able to hash out later are really, uh, are really awesome. Yeah. So, so we will make sure that the wives are not in the dark on that.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Well, it's going to be a great time. Um,
0: so, so, what's your idea, Aaron? We just kind of close the whole show from here? Yeah. Is that the plan? We say things like, yeah. if we want to hear your feedback and your questions, and especially your compliments. Uh, how's, <laughs> how's Nate sounding today? Is he sounding sexy? Is he sounding tired? You know, it's your chance to make some judgments. Things like that. That's how I'd close it.
1: Okay. okay. I want to find out if that course I took on sexy voice is actually paying off. All right. Um, and... <laughs> And you can send your feedback to PirateMonkPodcast at gmail.com. Hey, if you want to register for the a retreat, you know what? I am not certain that the retreat registration is actually on the main page yet at SamsonSociety.org. If it's not, we're going to get it there shortly. Uh, if you're trying to, uh, to find the retreat, you want to sign up, check in uh, if you get the noble briefing. The regular monthly newsletter from the Samson Society There should be something in there If not, shoot us an email here We'll get you to the registration page So that you can come to that retreat And of course, if you can't go all the way to Italy Just the following uh, A month, first weekend in November We'll be back in Eva, Tennessee Alright okay, Cool. Well, I guess that wraps it then I guess for this, this week's show So, uh, hey And we can do this thing at the end of the show uh, where I say my name and Aaron says his. So let's do it this way. You say your name too, okay, KK. and then uh, we'll, we'll do we'll do the close. So that's it for this week of the this uh, this edition, this episode of the Pirate Monk podcast. I'm Nate. I'm Aaron.
2: KK? Oh <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it twice. How about that? Okay
1: okay. okay. <laughs> and we are. We are your pals